Welcome to episode 44 of The Complete Works, season three, a deep dive into the career in films of actor Michelle Yeoh. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the Yeoh-averse is my friend, co-host, and fellow psychopath, Mike Tricio. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing just great. Today's episode, today's movie, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it. We certainly will. So, you know, over the course of doing this show for three seasons now, Mike, we actually really haven't talked that much about straight to streaming movies. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, so, I mean, except for the last 25 episodes of the cage season, I guess. Well, here's the thing, Mike, uh, Nicholas cage for all the VOD stuff he's done. He's never had like a Netflix original or an Amazon mm. prime movie or a Hulu movie. You know, he's done a lot of VOD stuff that eventually landed on those places. Okay. Okay. Um, but never had one that was like branded as, you know, a Nicholas cage, Netflix original or whatever. Although I he see. did star in the history of swear words on Netflix, which is its own, Separate category. I'm talking about streaming movies here. Movies. Okay. Uh, I see. You're making a distinction here. Exactly. And similarly, Jeff Goldblum has never starred in a straight to streaming movie either. Uh, although he did star in uh, the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney Plus, again a TV show, uh, which is no longer available because of tax tax reasons. Ridiculous. Jesus Christ. Uh, and he is going to be starring in the upcoming Netflix series Chaos uh, at some point. So there's that as well. But again, no movie. No movie as of yet. Michelle Yeoh has starred in one straight to streaming movie before this, which was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2, Sword of Destiny, which is sort of a different case because it was meant to be a theatrical release before getting dumped by the Weinstein Company. But now we've got a couple of streaming originals on the horizon for Michelle Yeoh. And as anyone working in the industry will tell you, especially those who are on strike right now, uh, it is really hard for a streaming release over the last few years to stand out from the pack. Yes, I think just... Uh Culturally, if you stop and think about it, you know that's true. Yes, 100%. Uh, there was recently a prompt on Twitter that somebody had put out there. Can anybody name any Netflix original that has had any more impact beyond two months or whatever? Right. Uh, and, you know, people would respond with like, well, yeah, The Irishman, you know, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, like Roma. Like, these are all very good movies that, you know, had awards consideration and all that kind of stuff from good filmmakers. Um, but I think the idea behind the prompt is like, yes, they, there are those movies every once in a while. But like most of their stuff is shit like Red Notice. Right. <laughs> So right. Gal Gadot's got a new one of those out right now. Yes, uh, Heart of Stone is the name of it. And I believe her character is named Stone in the movie. 10 um, out of 10. So I kind of want to watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because every streamer is constantly attempting to churn out content in quotation marks because i don't like the word but you know yeah. hug uh there has been a huge uptick in film and tv production across all the streamers and while there are great movies that stem from that once in a while the larger result is a pile of mediocre stuff that is quickly forgotten now i'm not saying that's the case with today's movie <laughs> um, however However, I, I actually do have a vague memory of this movie coming out. Um, but despite the fact that it was from a filmmaker whose past films I've usually enjoyed and it had a fun sounding action premise, I never got around to watching it and truly had no desire to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and if it had come out in theaters, I can't like guarantee that I would have seen it. But I know my interest would have been like at least a little bit higher, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like just it's the difference, like coming out in theaters makes it feel like, ah, oh, this is a real movie. <laughs> yeah. And I even I even don't think I even 
I don't know. I don't even know how to describe my feelings towards these movies sometimes where they just kind of get, like you said, just sort of added to the pile. And you're like, yeah, I guess I'll watch it eventually. You, you'll have that fucking Santa documentary in your to watch list for <laughs> 25 years or however yeah. long Netflix has existed. Still haven't watched it. Yeah. And just never going to watch it. Never going to go to my list ever. And that's the shame, I guess, you know. Yeah. But nevertheless, Michelle Yeoh is briefly in today's movie. <laughs> Yes, um, which means we've got to talk about it. It is time for Joe Carnahan's Hulu original boss level. Hey, Jake, can I get a large bottle of that Bijou? You know what? Make it two large bottles. How can you drink like that? I used to complain that every day felt the same. And now every day is the same. Hey, Jake, I have died 144 times. And every day ends like this. But it doesn't matter. Not when you've lost everything you've loved. Venter, man who's had me killed 150 times. The power to rewrite history is mine. Heads up. I know everything that's gonna happen. One thing that never changes. What's up, pretty boy? Bunch of assholes killing me for reasons that remain a mystery. I am Guan Yin, and Guan Yin has done this. It's for you. Roy, can you hear me? I can't explain it right now, but I'm going to need your help. Gemma? The only woman I've ever loved and who can stop this is still alive. I have to get killed. Hi, Roy. Over and over again. Until I save her. I need to learn how to fight with a sword. I would only have a day. I think we can get a lot done in a day. Someone's been the busiest little beaver. I'm stuck in the death loop because of you. Exactly. Bring them all on. I can do this all day. So Boss Level was originally announced by Joe Carnahan back in 2012, who said that he was working on Groundhog Day as an action movie uh, under the title Continue. Two years later, Edge of Tomorrow came out. Whoops. (laughs) Uh, I can't say for sure if Edge of Tomorrow killed the idea for this movie a little bit, but I think it probably did. Uh, You know, just in terms of like it stole the idea. Uh, or didn't steal the idea. It was just a very similar premise. Um, yeah. But also, Edge of Tomorrow did not do well at the box office. To the uh, point where they tried to change the title of it when it came out on, on DVD. Yes, yeah. Uh, these days, it's called Live, Die, Repeat uh, as a result. So I think Edge of Tomorrow bombing like could have gone either way. We're like, if Edge of Tomorrow was a hit, it's like, well, you can't make this because Edge of Tomorrow exists. And if it's a bomb, it's like, well... The studio's losing confidence in this. It doesn't want this movie because Edge of Tomorrow didn't do well. <laughs> so we're going to have podcast crossover, which is always fun for the audience because we record these back to back, but they don't, yep. they come out a week apart. So a re- happy recap, uh, the Meg, the movie we just came, that just came out or Meg 2, whatever, took like 20 years to make. Uh, it went to uh, D- Disney and New Line and all this stuff, whatever. The Meg, the first time at the D- at Hollywood Pictures, I think was the, is the Disney brand it was going to be released under, okay, um, yeah. was in the race to beat uh, deep blue sea. 
and Deep Blue Sea came out first and killed the Meg. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't get it till 2016 or whatever that movie came out. There it is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that happens, I guess is my point. Um, it does. And every once in a while you see like, there are two movies that come at, come out very close to each other that are like, hey, this is the same movie. Like, you know, right. Arm- Armageddon and Deep Impact right. came out within like three months of each other or No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits came out uh, very short, like within a yeah. very short amount of time. There were two Snow White movies in the year 2012. There were right. two Dracula movies just this year that don't have the word Dracula in the title. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, so yeah, what, stuff like that happens all the time. And what, there was another, what's the, what's the, White House Down, right? Is that the oh, Jamie yeah, Foxx yes. one? Uh, White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen both came yes. out around in the same year as well. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Any, anyway. Yes. Uh, and Olympus Has Fallen spawned a franchise and White House Down did not. I actually never saw White House Down, but it was a Roland Emmerich joint. So I feel like at some point I might check it out. I don't think I knew that. I kind of want to put Colin, uh, producer Colin, if you got 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> if any, if anybody will know if White House Down is good or not, it's got to be producer Colin, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Uh, so things started to come together for this movie in 2018. Uh, Joe Carnahan assembled his cast and filming took place in Atlanta. Uh, the film was finished soon after and a free advanced screening of the film was held at the Arclight in Hollywood in February of 2020. And so, of course, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, COVID happened soon after. And the studio actually ended up dropping the film. They were like, oh, we're taking a loss on this. We're just letting you loose with this movie. Uh, and so a few months later, this finished film Hulu purchased it for $11 million. Uh, and I thought you were going to say $11, $11, no, $11 million. Hulu bought the movie, which was already totally completed and finally put it out in March of 2021, about nine years after Joe Carnahan first talked about the project and about three years after uh, filming had actually finished. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's wild. That is the Hollywood machine sometimes. So, Michelle Yeoh appears in boss level as Dai Fang, a Chinese sword master who at one point trains our main character on how to use swords. Uh, Our main character is Roy Pulver, a man stuck in an infinite time loop, reliving the day he gets killed over and over. And he is played by Frank Grillo, uh, who is a regular in Joe Carnahan movies, uh, also known for his roles in the Purge movies and Captain America. He plays Crossbones in the Winter Soldier. That's right. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, he's the guy in the uh, the elevator scene, like, you know, the scene in Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, So he is stuck in this time loop as a result of his ex-wife Gemma placing him there in an attempt to save the world. And she is played by Naomi Watts uh, in a role that really makes you go, man, what is Naomi Watts doing? And <laughs> she's got, she's got big one day of filming vibes. Cause she's only ever in one set. That's true. Yeah. Although her scene goes on forever. It does. They got <laughs> so, a lot of work out of this one day. So from there, uh, Annabelle Wallace from malignant, uh, plays Alice, the girl Roy hooks up with who, pl- who plants a tracker in his tooth. That's who that was. Yeah. Main character from malignant, uh, except for, uh, I guess, unless you count the main character as the thing in the back of her head, um, the, the co-lead, of malignant. Yeah, the, the co-lead of malignant. Uh, so yeah, she's there. Uh, Ken Jeong plays the bartender chef Jake. Uh, so that's a crazy rich Asians reunion right there for, uh, him and Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Will Sasso from Mad TV plays Brett, a henchman. Uh, Selena Lowe, who is in the new Hellraiser, uh, plays the assassin Guan Yin. Meadow Williams, who also produced the movie, appears as the assassin Pam. Uh, Matilda Oliver from Overlord plays Gabrielle. Football player Rob Gronkowski plays the helicopter gunner. Uh, Eric Etabare from Too Fast, Too Furious appears as Roy number two. Which I which I assumed was just Frank Grillo again, but in fact, it's a different guy. It's a different guy. Yeah. 
Uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, who played Mr. T's part in Joe Carnahan's movie version of the A-Team, uh, plays one of the German twins. And Rio Grillo, Frank Grillo's real-life son, uh, plays his son in the movie, Joe. Oh, also... Mel Gibson plays the main bad guy. Nothing controversial about that. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't <laughs> lean into his new public persona at all uh, in this movie. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that, too. But uh, Boss Level was directed and co-written by Joe Carnahan, uh, director of Narc, Smoke and Aces and The Grey. Uh, his most recent film before this was 2014's Stretch with Patrick Wilson. Uh, or should I say Patrick Wilson? <laughs> insert harp sounds yeah insert the harp sound right there uh he would next make 2021's cop shop uh with frank grillo and gerard butler which i remember like like i kind of said before if it had come out in theaters i might have been slightly interested in it uh cop shop a movie i was slightly interested in never saw um but i heard that rocks though <laughs> i've heard it actually is pretty good um so yeah one day maybe i'll check that out because i do like a lot of joe carnahan's movies uh and he co-wrote the movie with chris and eddie bory uh the movie was released on march 5th 2021 just as the vaccine started to roll out uh so there were not a ton of movies in theaters at the moment mm -hmm. <laughs> if you'll recall uh the only new release that weekend was the courier uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel Brosnahan, which made $1.8 million and was in fourth place at the box office. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Remember how dire the box office was for that full year? <laughs> it wasn't like Jurassic Park in drive-ins, like the number, like the one, number movie. one movie? For weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, The Courier was the only movie that opened that weekend. Number one of the box office was Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon uh, in its third week, which I believe was also like a day and date, like in theaters, but also premium on Disney Plus kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think that might have been one of the first ones for that. I think, I think Black Widow was the first one they tried that with. But then, yeah, they did it with a few movies after that. Um, You're right. They don't really do that anymore. Um, I think they realized it's not a profitable thing. <laughs> it's for yeah. for that. But obviously it was, you know, it was a special case. It was COVID. Nobody really knew what to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pre-vaccine COVID was uh, the Wild West. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon was number one at the box office, followed by Tom and Jerry, Chaos Walking, The Croods, A New Age. Hashtag welcome to Croods cast. Let's go, baby. <laughs> uh, Boogie. The Marksman, Wonder Woman 1984, Minari, and The Father were your top 10 that week. Wow, look at that. Yeah, I mean, you know, some uh, some good movies in there. The Father, great, big fan of that. Uh, Minari, good. The Croods, A New Age, masterpiece of modern cinema. Um, Correct. <laughs> Heights we've never seen before or since. Yes, absolutely. This was like just before uh, I got my vaccine. And I remember my very first movie back in the theater was Godzilla versus Kong, uh, yes, the I IMAX. <laughs> and, uh, I was very excited about that. That felt like a good, like back to the movies. Like I just need to see something big on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The IMD plot synopsis for boss level reads trapped in a time loop that constantly repeats the day of his murder. A former special forces agent must unlock the mystery behind his untimely demise. Uh, so Mike D going into boss level, uh, what did you expect from this movie? What did you get coming out of it? What are your overall thoughts? Yeah, going into it, I was vaguely uh, a fan of Joe Carnahan's movie. I really like movies. I really like The Grey, and I can't remember any other ones off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of the big one. So, Narc was his first movie. Yeah. Um, which was, I've actually never seen Narc. I've heard that's very good. Uh, but Smoke and Aces, uh, The A-Team, uh, which yes. is a movie I really like. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie version I of The A-Team. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters, but I remember having a blast with it. I thought it was fun. There's a moment in that movie where they have to uh, steer a tank while it's falling in the uh, air and they yes. have to like just keep shooting the tank. So it like goes further and further across to where the target needs to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really cool. It's really fun. Um, Some Grand Theft Auto logic there. Love 
love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed the A team, but the gray, I think is like truly a great movie. I love the gray. Yeah. Um, and then I remember seeing stretch and thinking it was kind of bad. Uh, so, <laughs> so there was that. And then he didn't make a movie until boss level. Uh, so this was his next film. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, vaguely a fan of his movies, um, vaguely a fan of Frank Grillo in, in so much as you can be a fan of somebody like him. If you haven't seen a lot of his straight to VOD action movies, which I have not seen. Yeah. I've um, seen a few things here and there, but I, I generally like Frank Grillo a lot as like a, a character actor presence. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. I think he's great in the gray, like terrific yeah. in the gray, but his purge movie, the purge anarchy, he's actually in two of them, anarchy and election year but the purge anarchy is the best movie in that series and he rules in them he's great nice so there's that um but so yeah so i was like vaguely vaguely excited until um i heard you know this is just it's not it's not really an artistic thing at all but it was just like a weird personal thing where he was on the movies that made me which is joe dante and josh olson's uh podcast and he was talking about action movies and it was very cool. And he was talking a lot about, you know, Yun Wu Ping and, and, and just kind of Hong Kong action and a lot of stuff like that. And I was like, oh man, this is pretty cool. And then he was talking about boss level and I was like, wow, this, this might actually be any, this might be something. Uh, and then he went off in this whole thing about, uh, how, isn't it interesting that like, uh, you know, middle-aged white men like Tom Cruise are saving cinema. Uh, and I was like, I'm maybe going to pull a ripcord on this. <laughs> like, that's a weird <laughs> Weird take to have. Uh, he's talking about and Top Gun Maverick at the time. Why did that come out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is that about? Huh? Interesting. Um, well, you seem to harbor a lot of resentment about that. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, it was a whole thing and they kind of, whatever. Um, so then that kind of put me on the like, mm, maybe boss level isn't going to be the thing I think it is. Um, then you watch boss level and it's got Mel Gibson in it. And you're like, aha. <laughs> <laughs> I understand now. My suspicions were confirmed. Yeah, it's all coming. I hate it when this plan has come together. Um, <laughs> it's a reverse A-team reference. Yes, I like you, it. Thank yes. you, Mike. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did that for you. I knew you'd get it. Yeah. But boss level uh, on its uh, surface is it's, it could have been fun. I don't know. This could have had a crank energy to it, and it would have been cool. Could have, uh, you know, it's the guy who gets trapped in a time loop, and the opening credits have like an eight bit font to them, and then uh, Frank Grillo in his voice, persistent voiceover, uh, which is fine, um, says like, you know what it's like to wake up every day. It's like being stuck in a video game. You can't, you can't beat that level on. And I was like, oh, all right. It's going to be this. This is the movie. Um, and it maintains that energy. It's kind of fun. It does have, it, it, it kind of is goofy. It, it, it plays around a lot with the like flashing back to other attempts and being like attempt 72 and like showing how he died that way. And then attempt 120 and showing how he died, whatever. Uh, all the ways that he's like been able to learn the rhythm, uh, you know, much like playing a video game where you just keep getting stuck. You eventually have to figure out how to beat the game or beat the level, whatever. That stuff is fun. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow does it way better, which yep. is literally, uh, what is that? I think based on a manga or a book or something called All You Need Is Kill. Yes. Uh, uh, which is about a video game character. That, that, that it's that, <laughs> this, the same concept. It made me also think of that. What was that Ryan Reynolds movie? Free Guy? Yeah, yeah, a couple years ago. Have you seen Free Guy? I haven't seen Free Guy, but I know that is basically... It was, so I thought I thought Boss Level was literally going to turn out to have been a video game the whole time. Okay, gotcha. Um, but so I was thinking of that the whole time, but which, you know, Free Guy, when he is an NPC, I think, in, in like a Grand Theft Auto style thing and like become self-aware. I was thinking of that. I was thinking, well, who's the guy? Zach Penn? Is that the director, friend of the show, Zach Penn? From uh, <laughs> Loch, Loch Ness Monster uh, Movie. in Loch Ness, yeah. Who I think also wrote Free Guy, right? Or yeah, he wrote Free, Free Guy. Guy. Yes, yeah. Uh, and Behind Enemy Lines. Anyway. And The Avengers. 
And the event, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, I think his script was completely rewritten by Joss Whedon, but he does have a credit on the movie. <laughs> so one of the guys. So I don't know. Overall, boss level is kind of just a hot mess. It feel it doesn't. It's it's not funny enough. It's not it's not silly enough. It's not the action isn't as interesting and inventive enough. Um, I think for some of the things that's going on, like you know, you have Michelle Yeoh in this movie, who could be uh, one of the assassins that is killing, you know, hunting him down. Yeah. Um, or have her be like a major supporting role or whatever. Instead, she's literally in a 30, 90 second montage. And you're like, this sucks. She's, she invented the genre you're putting this movie in. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Have you uh, seen Wonder 7? You know, like. Have <laughs> you seen Wonder 7? Everyone's you know, favorite, uh, Wonder 7. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that feels closest to the shenanigans for what this movie could have been. Um, or one of those types of things. But anyway, yeah, overall, it's just like a hot mess. It, it feels weirdly mean. You have Mel Gibson literally say fucking liberals at one point. You're just like, I don't know, minus one star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just start ticking off, deducting uh, fun out of this movie as it goes on, um, which is unfortunate. It was probably cruising in at like a 2.5 on Letterboxd for me until that scene. <laughs> um, and then they keep mentioning Hitler. And I was like, I don't really know what's going on here anymore. I've lost the thread on where we fall on Hitler in this movie. Um, <laughs> So for, that, I, for I mean, those I, reasons, I, I'm out. I think the movie is pretty anti-Hitler. Um, I, from what, I think so too. Because uh, it is it, that was one moment that I thought was kind of funny, where it's um he you know has the assassin up at gunpoint and takes her gun. Turns out it's like she spent like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to get Adolf Hitler's gun. Yeah, uh, and then he kills her with it, and it's like that was for the Jews. Uh, <laughs> Or something like that. Like, that yeah. was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. That was funny. Uh, but, then, but then Mel Gibson mentions him later on in his big monologue, uh, right. which you see a couple times because of the death loop thing. And I was just like, ah, this is uncomfortable. Uh. Yeah. I mean, Mel Gibson, man, it's just a weird, like, obviously he's in movies again. He's in movies again. He's in movies again. Uh, not to the level that he used to be, you know, right. I mean, he used to obviously be a huge movie star. Uh, and now it's very rare that you see him in something that's big. I think the most mainstream thing he's done in the last few years, besides directing Hacksaw Ridge, is uh, his supporting role in like Daddy's Home 2. He plays like, oh, yeah, I, think, I forgot I think about Mark, that. I think Mark Wahlberg's dad uh, in that movie. I think so, yeah. I, I haven't seen Daddy's Home 2, <laughs> to be fair. Me neither. Um, but uh, yeah, I know he's in that. And, you know, he's mostly done a lot of like VOD stuff in the, in the years since. I know he's actually prepping work. Uh, he's getting stuff ready for uh, his next directorial project, uh, which is, uh, and this was actually announced like today. Uh, Passion of the Christ 2, Resurrection. Um, what? It's a real thing that's happening. Jim Caviezel's back, uh, hot off his Sound of Freedom stardom. Uh, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it sounds like an incredibly toxic project I want no part of. Yeah. Um, that said, I think he can be like an interesting screen presence. And I think there's a movie that came out a few years ago called Dragged Across Concrete. Yes. Um, which I know we've both seen. Uh, and that's a movie that I really, really liked. Uh, and it's very much about like, it's, it's very much analyzing Mel Gibson's image and like, you know, his place, like, you know, in pop culture, it's, it's a movie that like, I don't think I, it's a weirdly, I don't think I would like as much if it was anyone other than this toxic person in the, <laughs> in yeah. the role, you know, it's just, it's, it's a weird case. Uh, and I can't necessarily defend how much I like that movie, but it is. I think incredibly skillfully crafted and very good. Uh, so there's that. But yeah, for the most part, he's been doing pretty low key stuff um, since he came, since he kind of came back. I mean, Hacksaw Ridge was nominated for like a lot of Oscars. That was, like was his, yeah. his like comeback movie kind of thing. I, I saw that movie in theater. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, um, so it is what it is. Um, so I'm not like, you know, necessarily, you know, I think Mel Gibson's probably a bad dude and has done a lot of bad stuff. In his yeah. Life. 
Um, but I'll, I'll like theoretically watch stuff that like he's involved in, you know, if it's something that I think could be interesting or compelling. I do think boss level does not beat that criteria. And it's, <laughs> and, it's uh, and like Mel Gibson in the villain role, I think he feels kind of wasted. I don't think he brings anything to the movie. Uh, and so it doesn't really work for me in that regard. And then you have that like sort of like, you know, sort of toxic thing that uh, like you kind of saying the extra thing that Frank Grillo kind of has to him now also. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, there's some, some rough stuff happening here. But more than that, I do want to just talk about the movie, which I think is really boring. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> on its I, base level. On its base level, on the, bo- on the base level of boss level, <laughs> I think that uh, this movie is pretty boring. I think it's uh, it lacks the kind of energy that you need to make a movie like this. I think in a time loop movie, I think some of the fun stuff that you get to do in a time loop movie is like, hey, let's go through things really quickly. Let's like kind of do a lot of stuff and, you know, show people doing the same events, but in different ways. And it does that a little bit, but I think not nearly as effective as like Edge of Tomorrow or Happy Death Day or Groundhog Day or Palm Springs or, you know, there like there are a lot of like time loop movies at this point. And I think there are like really good examples of the genre. And I don't think boss level is one of those examples <laughs> yeah i don't know there's such a weird thing to it also because like when we joined the movie he's like a hundred something loops in right so like he's yeah. already like i'm fucking tired of this yeah. and you're like we're 20 minutes into this movie what are you talking about you're tired of this <laughs> you know yeah. actually it's not even 20 minutes when he starts doing that but right so it is a, it is actually a really weirdly structured movie too. yeah um, because it starts off with this like in media right opening he's doing the time loop and it's you know kind of making the metaphor of like, this is like a video game because right. uh, you can't actually die. You just start over from the beginning. And then it like makes that very literal. Like, Hey, the movie's called boss level. So it's like, you know, he's just kind of working his way up to the boss level sort of thing. Um, but then, you know, he's when he's bonding with his son, he's like going to a video game tournament and like, you know, right. all, all that stuff. Like it's, it's making that very clear. But the weird thing is this movie starts with this in media ray opening. You see him kind of explaining the layout and like showing him killing people and knowing what people are going to be about to do and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's been enough time loop movies at this point that we're like okay yeah i get it let's yeah let's let's do mm-hmm. it and then the movie flashes back <laughs> right so a- after it kind of established the whole time loop thing and it's like okay yeah i'm ready for like a fun time loop adventure let's get let's get ready let's do some time loop shenanigans and then it's like 30 minutes of exposition showing you how he got into the time loop right uh, and it's just naomi watts monologuing for most of that time and it's so it stops any momentum the movie had. yes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as great as Naomi Watts is, and she is very good, uh, yes. she's Naomi Watts, it's just like, what's going on here? Why are you here in this movie? Right. You're only in this one set. Uh, you must have been here for one day. Um, and then even when she comes back towards the end of the movie, when she re-enters the movie, it's in the same spot. <laughs> you know, so like, that's my that's my one day or two days on set. Uh, right. I think my fav- my, one of my favorite things in the movie is that, um, so Naomi Watts' character, um, he believes her to be dead. And she actually like is dead yeah. um, throughout the time loops and stuff. Um, but then later on, he discovers that, oh, she doesn't actually die until like at least 15 minutes into my loop. So I can get there and save her. But when he's like um, realizing that or like right before he realizes that he's like looking for her and look, like looking for her body and like, you know, he finally makes his way through the entire, you know, building and he has Mel Gibson like up uh, like at gunpoint. And then he's like, where's my wife? And then he like looks like finally looks in the corner. And it's like, oh, there's her dead body line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's such a weird thing like in the same room. <laughs> It's such a, yeah, in the same room. Uh, It's also such a weirdly, like, nihilistic and mean-spirited movie because before he realizes that his wife is alive, 
uh, he experiences the apocalypse like a hundred times because yeah. <laughs> he just like gives up from the time loop and or finds out that the, the, the time machine thing will destroy the world. Um, so he's just like, ah, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> like, like what? Yeah. And there's like a uh, whole, a whole 20 minutes or whatever, 10 minutes where like, that's the plot. I mean, I kind of like the the depression funk that he gets that he goes through True. where he's like, you know, the, the world's blowing up and like he's like he's accidentally let his son die like, you know, 200 times or something. Yes. Uh, and so he like spends several loops just in bed waiting for people to kill him. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's, that's uh, true. Which is kind of funny. My biggest issue with this movie is really there is no stakes at all because, you know, he wakes up and he's alive again and he can just do it all over again. Right. Um, and th- this is my biggest issue. So. I don't like watching people play video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I've talked about this in the podcast before. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think watching people play video games uh, is an inherently boring activity. Uh, like when you went to your friend's house when you were a kid and they were playing a one player game, you're like, man, I want to play this game. Or why don't we play a two player game? Uh, and I understand that now there's a whole culture of people watching people play video games uh, yes. on Twitch and stuff like that. So I, I understand that people feel differently about that than I do. <laughs> However, I think watching people play video games is boring. And this movie is like watching people play video games um, where you're just watching this guy do the same thing over and over again, always restarting and doing maybe a little bit better than the first time, uh, but not much and like kind of getting there. But because he can always respawn, because he can always just get back to the beginning and go through it all again, uh, there's not really any kind of stakes for most of the movie because, you know, even when the world's ending, he starts at the beginning again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And I, and I think they're trying to say, like, at some point, the world will have exploited too many times and then it will just, you know, cease to exist or whatever the space time continuum or whatever. But re- it really feels like there's no stakes until the very end of the movie when she uh, when he finds his wife, he like is able to get there and save her before she dies. And uh, she sends him like back through the machine and she says, hey, listen, you have to go through the entire day without dying. But now you can die. Right now you can die. Now there are stakes. You have to go through the day without dying. And uh, that will like, you know, save humanity, save the world. And he's like, okay. And then he wakes up the next day and then it cuts to credits. The movie's over. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have time for that. The second the stakes are introduced into the movie, uh, it stops. The the movie's done. And uh, I found that incredibly frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that, honestly, while I was watching it until until the like end of the world stuff where it's like we're watching, you know, the the scene from Terminator 2 where the nukes go off. Like till we watched that a bunch of times and I'm like, I feel like this should be you don't come back from. But he keeps coming back from it and he keeps just respawning. Um, And then, yeah, at the very end, she's like, this time it's for real. This is the final loop. If you can do it, you can do it this time. It's over. And he cuts the credits. And you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Almost as unfortunate as how this movie uses Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yeah. So I, I will say that. Um, so like I said before, this movie filmed in 2018. Okay. Uh, which means it filmed before Crazy Rich Asians came out. Interesting. Uh, and so it came out three years after Crazy Rich Asians. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, Michelle Yeoh has got to be a pretty substantial supporting role in this movie, right? That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think because it came out before Crazy Rich Asians, her role may not have been as big as it should have. Yeah, she pops up early in the movie. Like, she, uh, he, he's at the bar uh, where he goes to every day, and uh, she enters the bar, and he kind of explains, like, oh, yeah, she's like a master Chinese swordsman, whatever. And it's kind of setting it up where, like, okay, I, I understand that she's only in the movie for about, like, 30 seconds now. But later, I'm sure she's going to have a really substantial part because they set her up here. (laughs) So she's a world champion sword sword fighter. Yeah, of course she's going to be important. Uh, And so, you know, then in like an hour passes, 
<laughs> right. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, as he's kind of trying to get through the building with all the assassins and like kind of get to the top level where Mel Gibson is, um, he reaches uh, the assassin Guan Yin, who has killed him many times. She is also an expert swordsman. Yes. Uh, and he can't beat her. He can't defeat her. He's trying to shoot her and her swordsman skills are too powerful. And she keeps slicing his head off, sticking a sword in his dick, all that <laughs> stuff. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny. And I, that's that the montage is funny only because every time she's like, I am Guan Yin. Guan Yin has done this. Every yes. single time. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, and so he finally goes to Michelle Yeoh. Like he realizes, wait, I know a master swordsman. Right. <laughs> and so he goes to her and uh, he he convinces her to train him. And so she trains him uh, over the course of several loops. And when I say several, I mean like 10 uh, like right. it's a weird, it's a weirdly low number of loops for him to become a master swordsman. I think <laughs> it is. And also like, think about how much time he would have to spend explaining to her. You could skip these introduction steps because yes. to her, it's the first time they've ever met every loop, but he, re- I, I did think it was kind of interesting that he like retains his memories, like as far as like a plot point or whatever for the movie. It was very, very quick. It's like a brisk. We just got to check off this box that he can do a training montage with Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. And then that's it. She's gone. Uh, that, she's not in the movie anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I kept expecting like, oh, well, you know, he might still need her help for another part of the loop. Like it might be easier to do this with two people, uh, right. <laughs> you know, or something along those lines. But no. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh is just there for like 90 seconds total. So, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> that does suck. I think it is interesting, even though it's the kind of like Hollywood machine timeline of a prior post reunion thing with Ken Jeong. <laughs> um uh, but they do actually share a scene to get like they're in the same shots, uh, yes. which is, you know, kind of sometimes uh, notable as far as reunions go. That's uh, true. I actually don't think they're in a scene together in Crazy Rich Asians. I think you're probably right. Unless it's some <laughs> kind of at the very end, big family party thing. Maybe. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I can't remember, actually. I think you're right. Um, but they do share scenes in, you know, he's the bartender at the bar that she shows up in, in, yeah. uh, in boss level. So that's exciting, I guess. Yes. Um, but what did you think of her performance uh, while she was here, Mike? I think she's just the coolest. Like, it just totally works. She's the coolest. And yeah, actually, when she, as soon as she showed up, I was like, man, she's really cool. Like, that's that was my first thought. <laughs> yeah. She's just in like a leather jacket and everyone at the bar is like cartoon wolf tongue rolled out. Like, yes, that's the master class swordsman, world class swordsman, you know, whatever. Um, and that rules. That's very fun. Uh, and th- that feels like the kind of like deference this direct to VOD silly kind of action movie would show to someone like a Michelle Yeoh in sort of like a meta way. Like you said that like, well, when she comes back at the end of the movie, we're all gonna, you know, <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. And then it doesn't happen. And that's really disappointing, but she's very cool. Um, I feel like she, the couple lines that she does give her neat it's she sort of gets a sword fight which we've kind of been tracking <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it is kind of fun when that montage is happening because it's very clear it's like it's it's sort of one fight yeah it's like evolving over the course of those loops and it's like changing into different weapons they start off with like sticks and then they you know evolve to swords right right yeah but she's she it's not really anything she yeah, could have I been mean, anybody it's just fun that it's michelle yo yeah, I mean, it, there's just nothing of substance here, which is a bummer because I think, uh, you know, Michelle Yeoh is great. Obviously, we're 44 episodes into our Michelle Yeoh podcast. Uh, yeah. it, would be, it would be nice if uh, she had a bigger role in boss level. Uh, it just feels like a real waste of, uh, of Michelle Yeoh's talents to me. Yeah, absolutely. Especially considering who some of the other do we do. Did Rob Gronkowski need to be? I mean, not that he has a big role either, but, <laughs> right. you know, did he have to be one of the henchman guys? 
<laughs> like, couldn't he sacrifice that so Michelle Yeoh could be a cooler, more substantial henchman or something? I just want to yeah. see her have a fight. Could scene Michelle Yeoh have played Guan Yin? You know, I right. mean, that's exactly that's something. That would have been cool. And that's yeah, I don't know. And then there's the weird thing with um, Guan Yin, Mel Gibson, where right, his character, where like, well, first I want to acknowledge the name of his company is like Daisun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. It's pretty good. Uh, which is so much better than Biosyn from Jurassic Park or Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion or whatever that right? Dominion? Right. Is that the third one? Uh, um, yeah, Dominion is the, Dominion, is the most recent yeah. one. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, she, he's in, in those loops where they keep cutting off Frank Grillo's head. Uh, and at one of them, he's like, whoa, is that a katana? And she's like, no, this is a, I forget what she calls it, but she's like, this is a Chinese blade. Katana is for Japanese. And he's like, well, okay, don't bring race into it. And you're like, oh my fucking God, Mel Gibson, please, please stop being in things and acknowledging that you're a racist. Please. <laughs> you're going to do a comeback. Just shut your mouth. Just, <laughs> just stop that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. How do you think this fits into the Michelle Yeoh roles that we've seen so far, Mike? Um, well, it made me want to rewatch Wonder 7 because I feel like it's got a vibe. Uh, that, like, I'm, I'm really curious where the connection is for you with, with Wonder 7. Just like this feels like the kind of like the like in the lineage of those movies, just like insane, silly act, like what it should, what boss level should have been. I don't think there's any actual connection. Sure. It was just like, you think you're making a movie along these lines and I don't think they're quite living up to it. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the finale, like the last 30 minutes of Wonder seven is them fighting through a building, like going higher and higher in <laughs> yeah, the building. True. So that's kind of, that's the ending of boss level. I mean, that's the, that's what he's doing, right? There's no elevator as a bullet to shoot down a helicopter in this. And uh, we should be so lucky. That's one of the <laughs> best things that's ever happened in cinema. <laughs> Correct. Maybe <laughs> I think if that had happened at the end of boss level out of nowhere, we would have loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half in letterbox. Like it would have, would have totally redeemed itself. Secret masterpiece. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, just, I don't know. Those kind of that, that era, that, that kind of stuff. Those, those like late nineties or mid nineties could have, you know, wire for you stuff uh there, there's a little bit of that in the big sword fight like when they finally after Drilla's character like is finally a sword master right and they like he can survive and they have a fight um yeah. guan yin is doing a little bit of like the yin Ping wire fu kind of sword fighting stuff uh it's not quite those levels obviously but that's kind of you know the wink wink nudge nudge to those kind of uh movies i don't know i can't think of anything in particular uh titles off the top of my head unfortunately uh, yeah but, i mean i think i think just in terms of like I don't know, attempt attempted blockbusters that don't really deliver like the touch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Um, I, I would also say just because Michelle Yeoh is so, so barely in this movie, like it's basically a cameo, uh, Shaolin Popey too, messy temple. I'm going <laughs> to, what a messy temple. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the fact that that's the movie that, uh, we refer back to the most on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, she just doesn't like it is, you know, she's a swordsman. And so, you know, like you know, stuff like Wing Chun and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it is just such a, a new kind of movie, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, it's a straight to streaming action movie. I do think that it's boring and that means it's, there's less interesting stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, I do worry a little bit about gunpowder milkshake. So that's, that's what I'm kind of hopeful for. I, I've heard, I heard mixed things when it came out. And so I never, I never got around to watching it, but that one at least like, I don't know. And maybe this is like totally like, this could have been just like a promotional thing or whatever. I know it played a couple of theaters and one of those theaters was the new Beverly cinema. Really? Um, yes. So there is a 35 millimeter print that Netflix struck of gunpowder milkshake. And okay. that feels like 
there's got to be a, there's got to be something here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? they had to have a little bit of confidence in this movie. Yeah, so I, I haven't seen it yet. I hope that I like it. Uh, we will see what happens. I like the cast. It's Michelle Yeoh. It's Carla Gugino, uh, Angela Bassett, Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, uh, Paul Giamatti. Uh, oh, that's that's a murderer's row right there. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It could be cool. I don't know. It just made me think of like it kind of fell into the same thing as Boss Level, where it's just like, oh, straight to streaming. It wasn't like a smash hit. Like, I don't know. It didn't really take the culture by storm. Yeah. Uh, so everyone has forgotten that it exists because that's how what happens with these movies. Yeah. Know? So, I mean, that, and I think that might be the case, but I, we'll see what happens. It could be a secret masterpiece, Mike. Yeah. I mean, anything, anything's possible. True. We may, we may be leading the gunpowder milkshake reappraisal charge. It's never, it's yeah, never in doubt. Um, any, uh, scenes in this movie that you wanted to uh, highlight, Mike, anything that uh, stood out to you at boss level? I think there's kind of the sheer insanity of the scene when he starts pulling his teeth out <laughs> in the bar, when he realizes he may be tracked and yeah. there's that one guy that, um, like as a security expert, technology Dave. expert, Dave. Yeah. Uh, so he asks him like, well, if you were tracking somebody, where would you put it? Like in their body? And he's like the teeth. Ha <laughs> Uh, and he just like grabs the whiskey and a pair of pliers from behind the bar for some reason. Uh, yeah. And goes into the bathroom, starts ripping his teeth out. <laughs> um, I like that he gets on just the second back. Try. Shut up, Dave. That's I like that he gets on the second try. The first try is like, ah, oh, there's nothing in here. Second tooth, boom, that's the one. Okay, that's the got one. It. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, and just Dave, the, who's not part of the time, or not aware of the time leap, uh, like just screaming and panicking as he's yeah. like, oh, don't worry about it. And then uh, Roy, too, kicks the door in and she <laughs> blows him away. So that's fun. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. That kind of stuff was was like a little bit interesting. The slow kind of evolution of the uh, time loop and and like how we can just start skipping to the part where we're at now. You know, we don't have to keep showing him waking up in the bed and jumping out into the truck and all this stuff right. uh, like we do in the beginning. So I don't know. That's, that stuff was kind of interesting, but I just think maybe it takes too long. Even though this movie's only ninety minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird movie that feels like it kind of drags and it doesn't really have that much energy to it. But yet, it's very short. So there's so there's, there's that. that. Uh, I did want to say something I did like, which is uh, I am a big fan of the song Four Play Long Time by Boston. Uh, and there's a lot of pretty good needle drops in this. Movie. Yeah. And this movie opens and closes with Four Play Long Time by Boston. Uh, and I think it does a pretty effective job. Like once that song starts and it's playing like the entire song. Yeah. Uh, that's an eight minute song that, uh, you know, the foreplay section of that song is like a two and a half minute intro. Right. Um, before the actual song kicks in. And I think that does a pretty good job of like having that voiceover kind of match up with that first two and a half minutes of like the intro being like, oh, yeah, this is what's happening. All that stuff as the song is like building and building. And then finally it kicks into the, like the actual long time song, the, that, yeah. that portion of the song. And that's when the action kind of starts. Like that's when he like jumps up, jumps out of the building and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then the end of the movie echoes that it like kind of does the same thing. And there is a, uh, a fun action sequence where he's in a stairwell that is also set to that song. That is pretty good. That's like the one action sequence where I was like, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. Anytime there's a stair fight, yeah, kind of cool. I'm into it. And, and you know, there's fun touches here and there. Like I like when the, uh, the helicopter crashes through the wall or whatever and yeah. all that. Um, I, I do think like any kind of like story logic that this movie kind of goes on doesn't make any kind of sense. Uh, I thought it was funny that, that you have this very long flashback on Naomi Watts. Like we were talking about before. And, uh, she gives him the hint, like, did you get the package that I sent you for your birthday? And he was like, uh, what? No, I'll get to it later, baby. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and, and she's like, okay, just remember this. Osiris. And he's like, all right, whatever. And then, you know, like, then you cut back to, you know, you know, minutes later, uh, you're cutting back to his next loop. And at this point it's like loop number 120 or something. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Oh wait, there was a package here. <laughs> and <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like 120 loops. She remember that. <laughs> It took you having to tell the audience that there's a package here. Like. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah. like his, that's his clue that like, you know, Oh, I'm stuck in a time loop. Like, like that kind of thing. And like, right. Oh, there's actually a reason behind this. And uh, he's able to kind of start piecing together. And I think the, uh, the time when he goes to see what his son's up to, he realizes that like, Hey, I, I lasted three minutes longer today than I usually do. I always died by 1247. Uh, and now it's 1250 and now the assassin showed up. Uh, they, said they didn't know where to find me. And then that's when he realizes there's the tracker and all that stuff. Uh, what do you think of his relationship with his son, with the, uh, with the, the kid in the movie? Yeah, sure. Why not? I guess. Yeah, whatever. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're a little, little punk. I don't know. You're seven or whatever, skipping school to go play video games. What is that about? Yeah, uh, no, I don't think he's that young. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was weird that like, I don't know. He's supposed to be like, he's like a 10 year old kid or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the year 2021, who's like, I'm going to go to the video game tournament, but it's all like eighties video games. It's all street fighter. Street fighter. It's all double dragon, like Galaga at one point. Uh, and it's a weird thing where like the movie is very much indebted to the idea of video games, right? Like the idea of like, you know, starting over from the beginning and playing through and doing a little better every time and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The movie is called boss level. It has all these eight bit credits and stuff. Uh, and at the same time, the movie seems like incredibly uh, derisive of video games. Yeah, like what it, are you a fucking nerd? You like yeah, video games? Yeah, it hates video games. Yeah. <laughs> There's the moment when Frank Grillo shows up at the tournament and uh, the guy's like, oh, yeah, we play, you know, we play, uh, you know, all the old classics. No, we're purists here. We got Double Dragon and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, how old are you? It's like, I just turned 41. You're 40 fucking years old. What are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just mean. It's just a weirdly mean movie, and I don't get yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's so strange. This movie, obviously, like you said, if video games didn't exist, this concept doesn't exist, and this movie's like, aren't video games dumb? You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, but then, but then again, you know, right after that, he lear- he learns to use video games to bond with his son. Right. So the power there's of that. Love. Yes. So there's that. But I think it still kind of takes the position of like, but these are for children. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's even the scene that, you know, is like kind of heartwarming and funny where uh, he sees his son, like get this brown paper bag from this older kid and right, and he thinks he's buying drugs and yeah, it's like a card game or whatever. Yeah. It's like a magic, the gathering type. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing or whatever. Kid, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is very funny, like that, that you know, the twist on that. But like Grillo's reaction is still like, what are you too lame to buy drugs? You know, like it's kind of it still takes that still like it kind of has that feel to it. Um, even though he's relieved his son is not buying drugs, it still kind of comes off that way. You're like, yeah, of yeah. course, this wouldn't be drugs. You're a nerd. You're like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I, I liked when he was killing people. <laughs> Yeah, the, he kills people. Will Sasso dies funny. That's fun, I sure. guess. Sure, yes, I yeah. I mean, when, when he, like, realizes that he can fight back against the assassins, like, when he can, like, actually, like, yeah. when he figures out how to kill them, and it's, like, a death montage. It's a weird thing where, like, they show him killing one assassin, and then it cuts to the pile of them yeah. like, on the in the truck, and I was like, I would like to see him kill all the assassins. That would have been <laughs> why, cool. Why did you skip all the stuff that would be fun? 
<laughs> yeah. We got to get some more exposition. That's why. Um, but yeah, but then, you know, he's going through the whole building and, you know, it's, you know, th- there's some fun to be had with him, you know, screwing up and dying and having to start all over again. Like, you know, and, and what you see in Edge of Tomorrow and stuff. Uh, one thing about Edge of Tomorrow. Um, so that movie also has the time loop thing where every time Tom Cruise dies, he wakes up. And, you know, so you could say that movie doesn't have any stakes um, because you can just do it till, it, you know, he succeeds. The thing is, in Edge of Tomorrow, the time loop stops like with a half hour left to go in the movie and there's still stuff to do. Right. Right. Like that's <laughs> like in Edge of Tomorrow, there's still like, you know, a mission to be done and they could actually die in that mission. So you've kind of grown accustomed to these characters and you like them and now you want to see them succeed in this last mission. Uh, and in this one, the movie just stops right as the stakes arrive, which is uh, an annoying thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah, when, when it's revealed that uh, Emily Blunt used to be in a time loop also, right? And like that right, whole thing. yeah. Like I should that, watch Edge of Tomorrow again. That movie that rules. That movie's good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, fuck this. Let's go to watch Edge of Tomorrow. Um, <laughs> boss level sucks. Mel Gibson's racist. Edge of Tomorrow is good. That's the takeaway for this <laughs> uh, Any other scenes or anything that you wanted to uh, bring up this movie, Mike, before start wrapping this up? No, I, I mean, yeah, I guess sort of echo what you were saying, like that when he finally gets to the, the like home base building or whatever, where the Daisun uh, um, company is, and just that whole stuff where it's like, okay, now we, he's killing all the assassins and, and then he can't get past the security and just the way that he keeps di- he's dying in front of you in front of your ways. And eventually, like, there's that one beat where uh, he comes out of the elevator into the hallway and they're like all waiting for him. So he just like shoots himself. Uh, and Will Sasso's like, whoa, that was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty good moment. Uh, and then it cuts back to the beginning of the loop. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just it just wasn't funny. It didn't have the energy or whatever. There's something missing. Like I kind of wanted once it got going, I kind of thought it might hit like a crank level insanity. That would have been nice. That would have been cool, I thought. Uh, but it kind of just settles into like a sort of boring rhythm, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's a, it never gets as wild as you want it to be or as violent as you want it to be. I mean, there's violence for sure, but for not sure, like crank. Yeah. You know, we want a crank in our life. Exactly. <laughs> That's all we're asking for. Uh, but yeah, it never it never just has the energy that uh, you want from a movie like this. And uh, that's a bummer. And it wastes Michelle Yeoh. It's, I don't know, if is it as bad of a waste as Mechanic Resurrection or no? Hmm. I would say no. <laughs> I think Mechanic Resurrection is a worst waste because at least this one sort of has her in a sword fight. True. Even, even if it's just those 90 seconds, she has more screen time in Mechanic Resurrection for sure. Yeah. But has nothing to do in that movie. Whereas in this, she's not, she's in it for 90 seconds. She doesn't really have anything to do, but she is, I guess, sort of crucial to the plot. Not even yeah. really because, you know, she trains him as a swords master. He becomes a swords master within like 10 loops. Right. Uh, and then he goes back to fight her. Uh, to fight Guan Yin. He succeeds. He kills her. Uh, and then ultimately, he doesn't even actually have to fight Guan Yin by the end of the movie. Like, because at, th- at that point, he just has to save his wife. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Then he realizes his wife is still alive. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And so so everything that was before that doesn't matter. <laughs> everything, everything he learned to do. That's not what he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's so weird. You're right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, her character like it's sort of pivotal in that way. I mean, I guess it's all about his personal growth, right? And like his personal yeah. growth and like, you know, him kind of being there for his son and learning about his son and all that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, I think Michelle Yeoh at least gets to have a somewhat fun montage in the movie. Uh whereas Mechanic Resurrection she is has none of that. <laughs> she just, just owns a bar. 
she owns a bar and tells Jason Statham and Jessica Alba to get together, right? And that's that's it. Yeah, you're right. And, and uh, yeah, I think, it, and also at least this movie knows that she's cool. Yeah, I think that's also true. Because yeah, she she is really cool for the 90 seconds that she's on screen. I would like to formally apologize to Last Christmas, um, which is a movie I was maybe too hard on now having seen <laughs> Boss Level. <laughs> <laughs> it only took one week, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, at least that movie has some charm to it. And Michelle Yeoh has a solid supporting role. <laughs> yeah, there's Christmas lights. <laughs> yes. And and also, you know, I forgot to mention in Last Christmas, um, that movie also does like a dramatic reveal of Michelle Yeoh. Um, oh, yeah. Which I yeah. forgot about. She like, you know, dramatically opens a curtain and it's like, ah, it's Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, which is my favorite thing that's been happening in recent movies. <laughs> <laughs> Still, nothing has topped Morgan, where the entire cast jumps to their feet. <laughs> they go, like, shit, applauds her as she walks in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but all right, should we wrap this up, Mike? Should we uh, get done with boss level? Yes, let's be done with boss level so we go watch Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is the moral of this podcast. Go watch Edge of Tomorrow instead. Uh, we got some letterbox reviews, though, for boss level. Uh, Here is a three-star review from Paul Thomas. Ever met that person at the party who is really fun, but... Then he starts being annoying and you're like, hey, man, pull it back. And <laughs> then he's fun again. And you're like, this is cool. So you tell him and then it gets to his head and he starts being annoying again. <laughs> and now imagine that person is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah, you know what? That's a pretty good. That's pretty a solid good. analogy. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, here's a two and a half star review from Tau A. Big bottom of the Walmart DVD sales bin energy. <laughs> it's not bad, bad and would have been good if Frank Grillo didn't narrate every single little task he performs on screen like we're in a goddamn nature documentary. And now if you'll direct your eyes to the very center of the frame, you can see me, Frank Grillo, in my natural habitat, busting some dude's nutsack wide open <laughs> as, <laughs> as I tend to find myself doing each morning while enjoying a nice cup of coffee. Like, bro, I'm watching you do that shit right now. You don't got to tell me. <laughs> fair uh which is there's a lot of like unnecessary voiceover in this movie i think i mean i I get it in the opening sequence where it's like gotta establish what's happening yeah yeah it felt it felt to me like leaning into the video game protagonist thing it does kind of get annoying yeah i i think there's oh it's overused i would say yeah uh here's a three-star review from matthew crispin script is freeze-dried dog shit but grillo owns and i gotta bump it up a half star for at least realizing that cgi blood mist looks much better than cgi blood splatter that's true. That did make me think of um, a lot of the like Hong Kong era or you know, early 80s, whatever, uh, where like everybody's covered in dust. Where like, every time they get punched, there's like yeah. the puff of dust. But here they get shot and it's like a puff of red mist. Clever, I guess. Yes. Yeah, I think it looked pretty solid. Um, here's a two star review from HK Fanatic, who I think we've talked to, who I think we've used some of his reviews uh, sounds before familiar. on this podcast. Yeah, he's a, he's an HK Fanatic, Hong Kong, I assume. Uh, and <laughs> So I think he's talked about a lot of these Hong Kong movies. If you're unfortunate enough to press play on boss level, chances are you're doing so in the hopes that Joe Carnan has another the gray or smoke and aces left in him. Or like me, you're a devotee of Frank Grillo, who's become something like the 2010s answer to Chuck Norris with a string of solid B tier action flicks under his belt. Grillo gives it his all, but it's not enough to redeem the toxic level of smugness wafting from this film. You gotta love a movie that relies on video game tropes and expressly markets itself to a gamer audience while displaying nothing but contempt for that same crowd. <laughs> uh, in a post-John Wick world, this kind of hackery just doesn't cut it, not even as a straight-to-Hulu pandemic flick. Uh, so yeah, HK Fanatic, not a fan. 
of boss level. Uh, I will say if you want a really solid Grillo action movie, this was a Netflix original um, a few years back um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, Wheelman from 2017. Uh, is that the which, one set in the car the whole time? Yeah, the entire movie is just Frank Grillo in a car. Shea Wiggum is briefly in it also, who is also one of my favorite uh, just character actors uh, of recent years. And yeah, it's Frank Grillo in a car and there's uh, action happening sort of around him. Uh, and it's just a very like tense 90 minutes. It's good stuff. Should uh, watch it with uh, Piano. Is that that Elijah Wood movie? Oh, Grand Piano. Grand uh, Piano. So that movie rules. Absolutely, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie rips. Did I make you watch that movie at some point? You uh, talked me into watching it, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. yes, yeah. I own it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it in a long time, but uh, that movie is Speed with a Piano, uh, <laughs> and it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> if you have not seen Grand Piano World, you should watch it. It's great. Uh, here's a two-and-a-half-star review. This is the last one from Dan McCoy. One. Wow, Frank Grillo's the lead. Good for him. Two. Wow, Naomi Watts is in this. Sad for her. Three. Ugh, Mel Gibson is in this. <laughs> Sad for everyone. <laughs> yeah, basically. And that's pretty much it. So there you go. That's boss level. Uh, it is available on Hulu right now. If you do want to watch it, uh, just be aware that Michelle Yeoh is barely in it. <laughs> barely in it. We got hoodwinked. Yeah, absolutely. I, I truly like... I was waiting, man. I like, I watched it before you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, okay, uh, I, she was introduced early on. I'm sure she will have a substantial role. Like it's, I'm sure it's going to be a while until she gets in there, but I'm sure once she's there, it'll be a substantial role for the last like 20, 30 minutes of this movie. Uh, and then she gets her one montage and then she's done. Damn. <laughs> Devastating. Yeah. Uh, but I did warn you ahead of time, at least you so did. there was, there was that, at least you didn't have to suffer that, that, that waiting game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike D where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky at mdfilmblog.bsky.social. Um, if you would like to donate to support the show, you could do that on our Kofi page, which is kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. And if you would like uh, merch, we also have merch available on our Redbubble, which is Mike and Mike Pods.redbubble.com. Yes, it is. And you can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decrecio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Complete Works Pod. That's W R K S, no O in the word works. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com and our logo was designed by Mac V or at Fearless Guard on Twitter. Join us in the next week in the Complete Works. We've got another straight-to-streaming action movie, but hopefully this one's a little better. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah? What's next? Oh, we already talked about it, Mike. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh, I didn't know that was actually next. I knew it was coming up. I didn't know that was the very next movie. Oh, it's the very next movie. I think we were kind of talking about maybe doing uh, Nicolas Cage in the retirement plan uh, next week, but uh, I was just looking it up, and I assumed that it would be like on VOD the same day it hit theaters. Turns out, no. So it's in limited release right now, uh, but nowhere near me, so I can't can't go see it. Uh, But I'm assuming it'll be on VOD soon, and so eventually we'll talk about the retirement plan. Very cool. I'm excited. Yeah, but there you go. And remember to check out our other podcast, Mike Might Go to the Movies, for all kinds of other movie-related stuff, including recent releases, ranked lists, general discussions, and a lot more. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and thanks for taking it, yo. Yo.